Test, test, test. Test, test, test. Test. Test, test. I'll probably speak like in this is like kind of my volume to speak in. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. It's a good volume. Yeah. It's a good volume. We should start the podcast. This episode of the Nordic Surfers Magazine Conversations podcast is brought to you by Kona Brewing and their big wave golden ale. As many of you know, winter is usually the time when swells are more consistent in the Nordics and journeys must be had when the winds blow strong enough. When it all comes together, it can be the stuff of legend. It's just the same in Hawaii. Sort of. During the winter months, the Hawaiian islands are legendary too, with the islands north and west coast seeing waves that often climb up to 40 feet. Now that summer seems to be going, or even gone, it's time to reminisce the days and nights enjoyed with friends and family while steeling ourselves for the opportunities that fall and winter will provide. Don't despair the cold. The Baltics are finally starting to light up and local breaks are delivering the goodies. There's always liquid aloha to keep the summer spirit alive with Big Wave Golden Ale. It's available in your local beer shop. Welcome to another episode of the Nordic Surfers Magazine Conversations podcast with your host, Joshua B. Kirkman. Uh, now that we've done the test and everything's done here, testing, we've got the audio right, we've got a bit of a crowd around the mic. There's three of us here, we're in Lulfulton. I'm sitting here with Rolf and Sten from the Arctic Co-working Lodge. I don't know your last names or I don't know how to pronounce it properly, so how about you introduce both yourselves before we get this podcast kicked off yeah uh, my name is Rolf Oftedal I'm 25 years old and I live here in Lufoten and I'm co-founder of the Arctic co-working lodge and uh, me I am uh, Stian Morel and uh, I'm also the one of the co-founders of uh, the Arctic co-working lodge and I'm 26 years old spring chickens <laughs> <laughs> we're sitting here and we're drinking some tea. What kind of tea is this again, Stan? Beautiful uh, mandarin uh, tea infuso. <sighs> yeah, very flavory. It's really nice on a cold winter's day in Lufoten. Thanks for having us stay. Um, a bunch of us have been staying at the Arctic Co-working Lodge and we have had a tremendous time. There's a bit of a separate project going on, so I can't really say too much to the listener at this point because you'll learn a little more about what's been happening. But I have been here with Tim Latte and Marlon Gerber and uh, those guys have been shredding and we've been crashing at the Arctic Co-working Lodge because... You know, we wanted to check out this fancy new project that um, I was made aware of uh, maybe a bit over a year ago uh, when it was still in its idea phase. And that's what I wanted to talk about today to begin with in the podcast. Like, you you guys aren't from Lufthansa originally, but you are Norwegians, yeah? Yes. That's yeah, correct. Yeah. So where did your um, idea come from to kind of start a business? You're pretty young dudes and to get into business is kind of a big deal. So how did this idea all start? Well, um, we had first we had just the idea that we were going to move to Lofoten. That was the main, main start. And uh, from there on, we researched a little bit. Could we get a job? Probably not. Could we start a business? Yeah, sounds more reasonable. Um, then we just began, began, or began to, uh, uh, you know, find ideas. What kind of business are we going to start? We were thinking about like, of 
course the surf camps and rental stuff and uh, but then we kind of wanted to do something that wasn't done here um, and then I had some friends that uh, has a co-working space down in Portugal okay we got really inspired by that uh, and we started to you know play around with that idea and mm-hmm. uh, yeah so we got aware of something called digital nomads and being a digital nomad is basically that you work and still you are able to travel the world because you all the only work you do is from your computer mm-hmm. so uh, after we got aware of that we started focusing on how could we get these people to actually come to Lufthansa and hit that other market that none, none of the other businesses here in Lufthansa were kind of hitting Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny because uh, these digital nomads, I mean, I'm, I kind of, I guess I've never really used the term much on myself, but I do just work from wherever my computer is. And, you know, I do have other face-to-face stuff I do with my work, but, um, but the, predominantly I do work from a laptop wherever I am. The idea of coming to like a place as isolated though as Lil Fulton, I mean, was it a bit of a stretch? Like, did you feel like that was still a risky proposition when you were coming up with this idea? Because it is kind of like, I mean, you're nearly at the North Pole. Oh, it is. uh, Some may say it's a bit of a far uh, fetch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, for us, it's uh, it's not only about, uh, you know, starting a business to earn money or whatnot. It's uh, as much as all about the challenge uh, and if it if it was just to earn like a bunch of money then maybe we would have chosen something easier but this project was something that matched really up with our values and really yeah the challenge was I think that's just part of the deal and what kind of make, made it cool mm-hmm. so yeah uh, with with actually coming here to Lufthansa, though, you know, you, you, you obviously it's been put on the map for many years now as a surfing destination in the Nordics. And everyone who's probably listening to this podcast has either, well, they've certainly thought about visiting Lufthansa so far. Um, they may not have had the opportunity to get up here because, it, you know, it is a bit of a destination. You know, it costs a bit of money to get up here. And usually it costs a bit of money when you're here. And, you know, if you want to go and have a beer out, it's going to cost you even more money. Um, it's not a cheap place to come and visit. What was your initial attraction to Lufthansa? Like, how did you both get to know this? Were you surfing already before you moved here? Or was it the attraction of learning to surf um, and coming here? So we were surfing because uh, we lived in Olesund, uh, which okay. is a town on the west coast of Norway. And we went to, both went to school there. Mm-hmm. And that's where I learned to surf. Sian surfed a little bit from before, uh, but uh, we spent four years there both, and uh, learned how to, I learned how to surf there. Uh, but then uh, at the end, last year, we were living there, fourth year, we took a trip up here. Uh, we drove my van, uh, we put a bed in the back, and decided we we're gonna stay here for 10 days. 10 days? Uh, 10 days, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a small van. Yeah. I was gonna say <laughs> it was very, very erotic experience. <laughs> and me and me and Rolf didn't really know each other very well. Okay, like, we were supposed to go like five dudes up, like oh, right. all the guys who surfed in Olsen ended up only being me and Rolf, and uh, we just took that van and Sweet. went up for ten days. And what, we, what time of year was this when you made this trip? Yes, October around the uh, Masters. Okay, uh, we really got to know each other on that trip. And yeah, on, and on, yeah, and on the on the way back, we're like, yeah, well, 
we, we want the same thing like we want to want to go here mm. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of uh, how that started up yeah we got and everything on that trip we got yeah. super good waves barreling waves yeah and northern lights for the first time of our lives we got it we got it all really good hikes yeah super good weather mm. like proper good camping everywhere really like so many good people and um like as Rolf said we we surfed in Olsen which is a decent surf spot hmm. but nothing you would brag on about hmm. and we came here and they were just like the first day that right hand just like fired off hmm. and we were just what is going on and hmm. I think that might have been like the moment that kind of sold us a little bit so being surfers was definitely part of the decision for moving up here yeah and I mean yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a, a, and you were here during that Lofoten Masters, so it was the 2016 Lofoten Masters when you were here. This is correct. Yeah. Big shout out to uh, Tim Matley, who took out that event, if he's listening, my buddy. <laughs> he, he surfed very well in that event, so shout out to him. And to his partner, Guru, who actually won the women's at that event, too. Um, that was my first experience at Lofoten as well, same as you guys, so it was... Um, yeah, a special time for me as well. That was my reintroduction to surfing in the Nordics. And, I mean, let's let's linger on that event for a second because it does seem to be an event that brings a lot of people from long distances to check out. Like, what's so special about the, the Lufthansa Masters, according to you guys? Why, why should people look at it and think about coming up for it? Well, it's a great party. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great party. And uh, I remember that year... No, I think that was the year after 2017 when uh, Kian Steer yeah. uh, was there. And uh, he just, the waves wasn't that good. Mm. But I was living in Lofoten and looking at the, the webcast yeah. like, <laughs> on my computer just to listen to the most funny comments yeah. for hour after hour. Yeah. And uh, they just have a, you know, it's fun to watch. Mm. It's a good show and good party. Yeah. It's and always good vibes up here in Lofoten, even if it's a contest or a regular day, you know. Yeah. Mm. Always good vibes in the water. Mm. That's what's special about this place. I mean, it is It is a special place. Like, it's... um, Are there many... Like, what's the... one? But one of the things I did notice after that event in 2017 was that it got... It was really crowded. Like, it, it was kind of like... It was a weekend after the event. The waves were pumping. Like, there, a really good swell came in. and But it really filled up. Like, it was kind of the... I never thought I'd see a crowd that big in um, in Scandinavia. Is it is it getting too popular for its own good? Is there, a, is there like, a problem forming here that it's kind of attracting too many people or what's the what does or is that just a specific moment in time well when i first got up here it was yeah summer of 2016 when i first moved here mm. uh, it was pretty hectic actually mm. uh, some days you know it was almost flat and 100 people in the water learning wow. to surf and whatnot um but li- after living here for almost two years now i can't really say the same because i've never have a problem with crowds yeah. Just when it's a special event. Mm. Yeah. And I said, yeah. Especially think around that uh, event, uh, the waves were really good. Mm. And there was a lot of attention on from them that ended up with a lot of people coming up. Mm. But same here, like I've never really felt any problems with crowds mm. living up here. 
I surf yeah. more with five people than with ten people. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I remember uh, last June, uh, I surfed the left, so clean, so good, in the middle of the night. Like I think we were two people or three people. That's another part of this whole place, isn't it? Like I just forgot that it's you can surf twenty four hours at. Oh, maybe not. Yeah, 24 hours you can oh, in the yeah, middle of June. Oh, yeah, this was like in, uh, th- at 3 o'clock in the night. <laughs> so you've literally got a, you got 24 hours a day to surf, so it probably can spread itself out as well, right? Yeah. When the waves are good, it spreads itself out. Yeah. Sure. But not in the winter, though. In the winter, it's the opposite. Then yeah, everyone's there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all good, though. But then there's not that many that surfs in, at that period no. of time, so it's yeah. fine. Well, that, that's what I mean. I've, I mean, I've been up here. This has been this episode of the podcast is being recorded on the 4th of march and you know like it's it's coming good in terms of like there is a fair bit of light in the day now like they're normal days um it's um but yeah there's people turning up like you know like it's not definitely not crowded though you know there's i mean maximum i think the the other day there might have been six people in the water or whatever like it's still quite but you know like it uh, you can't last that long in the water here too still i find like i mean it's a pretty heavy, like a high rotation of people in and out of the water, don't you think? Like when you surf here, you know, yeah, how long do you guys usually last in one surf session? You're probably made of tougher stuff than me. It depends on how the good, good the waves are. Uh, if the how waves much are, you paddle. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you have a session where the waves are pumping and you're paddling nonstop, you can easily last for three to four hours. Yeah, right. But if you're sitting there waiting and there's a long period as well and mm. you have to wait for a long time to catch a wave, then you and get bit, cold and a, really fast. A bit of wind on top of that. Yeah. Mm. Wind really sucks. Yeah. I actually found, uh, I find that the water temperature is not the problem, it's more the air mm. temperature. So like last week we had a a few days with a few like uh, I think it was two degrees or three degrees mm. and I felt so much warmer than I did as for example yesterday when it was a few minus degrees it just makes a huge difference even though the water temperature is kind of the same mm. yeah but it's definitely something you have to get used to to surf in cold water but mm. as soon as you're used to it you don't think about it you just go surf yeah and how often do you guys get to surf up here now? Like you've you've set up the the business. I mean, how much time is it actually taking up in your day to run the 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 surf the Arctic you know lodge? Mm, depends. It's day by day. You know, when you yeah. have a lot of people, like when you guys are here, yeah, definitely is a lot more time consuming. Yeah, uh, but uh, it's not that much, and we get to surf more than most people. I yeah. Would assume. Yeah. Yeah. How often in a week are you surfing throughout the winter? Four to five days a week. Four to five days a week? Yeah. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. We're pretty lucky. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy up here, though, because not all those surfs are in epic conditions, right? Like, I mean, the weather is... I mean, I've been here in the fall twice, and it was pretty calm. Like, it wasn't really kind of dramatic weather shifts. But in this trip, you know, I've, I've experienced almost every type of weather in one week. And on a daily basis, it just seems to swing around. Yeah. I mean, it is... How how violent is it up here? Like, how do you how do you describe the way the weather works up here to someone who hasn't been up here before at this time of year? I think my my opinion of the weather up here is that it's very dynamical mm. on a day to day basis, but also on like a month to month or you know around the year. Mm. So life here is just very dynamical because 
the light changes. Like mm. one month, we'll probably have nearly midnight sun, and mm. in December it's dark, and then mm. two weeks ago we had four storms coming in, and then we suddenly we had nice weather for five days. So my opinion is just like it's yeah, it's very dynamical, and just kind of got to be ready for everything. It mm. and that's what makes it so special because when you got five days of really sunny days, mm. it's like wow, this mm. is so good. And then sometimes it lasts for longer. And then mm. when those like nice stormy nights comes in in September and October, and you finally have some time to lock in and be in front of the, you know the fire, that's <laughs> you know that's very very nice. Which so, is gone out now. I just looked <laughs> over my shoulder and it's out. <laughs> um, oh, it's a bit of a yeah, yeah. There's some embers yeah. there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's uh, you, can, you can get a bit hectic, but. There's no waves without hectic weather, right? Yeah, that's yeah. true. That is true. Um, the but the quality of the waves, like, would you say that they they is it more up to the individual just to find the enjoyment in in it, or I mean, because you know, like a lot of the pictures you see of here are often the best version of it, mm-hmm. you know, like the and that happens with most spots. You know, you very rarely see and amounts like social media in general like you never really see people's bad days you only tend to see most of their good days um how how is the reality of um of the quality of the waves here and how often that quality is really here well first off you gotta have an understanding of what the tides and the sand that for example insta is doing mm. so you really have to have that understanding and you only really get that by actually living here and yeah. seeing what it does mm. uh, but quality of waves or compared to my past at least i've been getting so much more quality waves mm. um, than anywhere else i've ever been to so i, have, I remember for example last january and february uh, where we had two months straight of uh, uh, two meters at 15 seconds mm. so, and offshore and offshore every day so and that's been like not similar at all to anywhere else I've ever been or traveled to Mm. just seeing that consistency Um, but at the same time sometimes it's hard you know sometimes it's hard to find a good surf and especially Mm. in the summer it's kind of hard sometimes yeah but uh, overall it's a really good surfing destination I would say yeah I think so as well I mean like even in this week that I've been up here like it's, it's I've had everything you know like it's been pretty a dynamic week of weather as well so it's been kind of like a mixed bag but i mean overall if you if it's comparing to other places in scandinavia i mean it's it's really good still you know like there's there's proper power in the waves and well and just yeah. just to kind of get a get a picture of it so how many days have you been up here now i think it's like coming up to a week a week so you're kind of like on six days yeah now how many days of like how many days has it been offshore I think you'd say that there's one day that was offshore all day. Yeah. But the swell didn't turn up. Yeah. Mm. Otherwise, it's been swirling around. Yeah, but there's been, like, from what I've seen at least, there's mm. been, like, at least, like, every day there's been a period with with offshore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, and that's, so I find it really hard these days to push myself into surf onshore. Yeah. That's more something, like, I, I did last summer... Uh, when we had a bit of parry with some bad waves and also last last March actually mm. but uh, but there is a lot of offshore and mm. of course the swell will always vary, vary. Mm. but uh, it's all what you're used to right mm. so yeah. if you come from Australia and you surf good waves mm. almost every day mm. 
then it's probably not gonna be mm. like the best best place you've no. ever been to. But if you're a Scandinavian surfer, mm. usually you surf in the Baltics or yeah, 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 yeah it's totally Coast way better. Than that. Yeah, yeah, then then it's like a whole whole other thing. Yeah. Mm. No, it's just interesting because. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think the other question, which, you know, it's probably not going to get answered in this podcast, but, you know, this is just one beach in one group of islands or yeah. fjords and, you know, like it's you guys don't have to share. I'm not even going to ask you to share any other spots on this podcast, but there's clearly uh, you don't have to be, a, a, a you know, an expert to see that there's clearly other opportunities here if the wind is blowing in the right direction and the swell is getting oh. into different angles into this place like there's clearly a lot of opportunity up here to explore but for sure it's super fickle yeah and it's uh, a lot of the spots have a very like directional yeah yeah have that certain direction Mm. that certain wind wind direction yeah Uh, but insta is kind of like open to all swells and you can always surf at insta that's right right. Uh, but uh, if you really want to explore you really have to put in the effort yeah so, so I'm not uh, I'm not gonna share any spots here, of course. But I could like privately I could share spots because even though I tell you there's a wave there, you're probably never gonna score it. Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. So, but if you actually put in the effort and check it multiple times and and do all that stuff that uh, surf surfing other spots requires, then mm. for sure you're deserving of surfing there. In yeah. my opinion. Yeah, yeah, because it's like it's one of the things that um, <clears throat> strikes me and. You know where we're staying at? Uh, is it Tungstad? Is is where the where the lodge is? Yeah, yeah. So in Tungstad, it's a short drive around to Unstad. You can surf, you know, and get back home and get in the showers, and everything's pretty cool. It's pretty easy to do. Um, and Unstad is certainly not a secret spot in this um, part of the world. But you know, if you do want to go and explore other places, you got to drive up here. Like you, you've actually got to get on the road and. It takes a bit of time, doesn't it? Like it's it's a bit of a mission, and yeah. you know, have you guys travelled around much for for waves and kind of explored that much, or have you have you over your time here kind of relied on Unstad as your go to? I would say like probably nine out of ten surf sessions I surf at Unstad. Yeah, but every now and then you see that perfect swell that's gonna hit that spot exactly, yeah. and then you go there. Yeah, and sure. Go to Unstad. And as well, when it's stormy, you know, when it's a big storm coming, like 20 meters per second winds, yeah. you can't surf and stuff. So no, you no, have no. to find shelter somewhere. Yeah. And if that means, like, taking a two-hour drive, then so be it, you mm. know. But then we've had also those times where when we do that two-hour drive, and it actually happens a lot. We, we do that drive, and then we hear that, oh, Insta was actually working. <laughs> <laughs> so it just ends up then like, why are we doing this two-hour drive? Like, what? What's what's the deal? Yeah. But uh, but we've definitely been on a few trips and we checked out here and there. But yeah, driving is not always that fun. Nah. And a lot of spots uh, here you actually have to walk to as well. Yeah. Like you have to walk. Really Even like, boat. Yeah, boat and then an hour walk or yeah. yeah so it's really a mission to serve some of yeah, these spots. Yeah. That it's like they're working all the time, but it's such a mission to go there that you won't. Nobody's gonna make the effort, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, then I think we've had a good chat about about the area. And um, speaking of effort, though, I wanted to pick up on, like, you know, the efforts of setting up your um, your your business or the actual building itself. Because what was this building before you sunk your teeth into it and turned it into <laughs> a livable space? Because it's really nice now, but what was it like before? It was uh, originally a fisherman's cabin, pack okay. cabin. 
so where the fishermen would stay when they were not out fishing. Okay. Yeah. And then it's been used for a various amount of uh, you know purposes mm-hmm. uh, until we, uh, as you say, sunk our teeth. Your in teeth it? into yeah. it. Yeah, you sunk your teeth into it. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, when we uh, when we found it, the the roof was kind of uh, you know falling down, and uh, uh, there was you know possible to live there, mm-hmm. but uh, the, we had to do some some stuff to make it uh, yeah, nice yeah. and warm and. And welcome in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where you want to live. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And did you do all the work yourselves? Or, like, how did you actually project manage that? You know, I don't know if you're already builders and plumbers and electricians, or how did you actually go about act- doing the work? Uh, mostly watching YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and talking to friends that we knew that knew shit about yeah. building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, we knew that this building had uh, water. Okay, uh, check. So the water was there. Yeah, the electricity was kind of there. Okay, yeah. And the, you know, the windows was there. Yeah. And uh, the, the isolation was kind of there. So from our kind of first perspective, it looked like, you know, we kind of just had to put on a few coats of paint. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that was our first, like... Yeah, um, yeah. And we were super yeah. optimistic. Like, yeah, we just tore down our wall, uh, you know, put up some, uh, you know, uh, paint. And uh, it'll be fine. And put in some sofas and... It'll be yeah, perfect. we're good. <laughs> no we're problem. Good. And uh, the worst mission was to... We had we had to uh, renovate the bathroom. Uh-huh. Or the showers and everything. Uh, so we figured out, okay, here's some instructions on how to do it. Mm-hmm. And we kind of looked to YouTube channels and... And saw what it was like to actually build a bathroom and make it waterproof and whatnot. Yeah. And create like that's technical. Floor. Yeah, the technical. Yeah, stuff. So it's yeah. hard. And we looked at it as like, yeah, other people can do it, so we can probably do it too. And we tried, and we actually did it, but it was so much yeah, work. It was the so worst. So much work. Yeah. And I just <laughs> so much work. Uh, uh, you know the the bathroom upstairs. So for you guys that hasn't been there, it's a uh, it's one of like our smaller bathroom. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I'd say it's three square meters big, maybe not. Oh yeah, that. it's cozy. Yeah, yeah, it's cozy. It's Toilet cozy. and it's, shower. Yeah, it's yeah. nice little, and it's uh, pretty small. And uh, I think that took us two months. Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> that was a long project. <laughs> really? Because you guys did that one, and you, did you do the downstairs one as well? No, we got some help. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So you started was, with the upstairs one and realized. Yeah, because in the walls in the downstairs bathroom there were no isolation. Uh, no, like, downstairs was concrete. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's so, nothing there. Yeah. So we had to have some help there, but yeah. So we did everything ourselves except for the bathroom downstairs, uh, plumbing, electricity, and also uh, the fire security. Yeah, stuff. Sure. Yeah, which needs to be done with people that. You know, yeah. Yeah. Know what they're doing. Yeah. I'm just sorry. I just got distracted by your um, <laughs> your piece of art on the wall. If it has tires or testicles, it's going to give you trouble. <laughs> Sorry, that was just caught my my eye and uh, wanted to laugh. So there we go. Thanks for that. Um, Would you, what was the, well, it sounds like the bath, my next question was going to be, what was your biggest challenge when you were doing this job? But it sounds like that bathroom was like the singular challenge. Yeah. Or was there anything else? The biggest challenge was actually finding a location because we didn't have any money. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, we didn't, we just had an idea on what we wanted to do. So So, how'd you you fix that problem? uh, We went knocking on doors. Really, just hey, do you have a space for us to use for this project? This really cool project that we want to do, 
And then after a while, we met this guy. He's an old seal hunter. So he's a really, really he was really a seal hunter. Yeah, he's a seal yeah, hunter. Yeah. Wow, yeah, he's a legend. He's gonna have a talk about it uh, in a couple of days, actually. Yeah. But that's, that's another story. Seal hunting. Yeah, yeah. So he's oh. an old seal hunter. Yeah, that's his profession. Uh, so we found him through a couple of contacts that we got, mm-hmm. uh, and we presented the project to him, and literally like one month later we were starting building yeah yeah and he was like yeah i'll fund the whole thing just do the work yeah cool so we're pretty psyched about that <laughs> he now, wanted to transition away from seal hunting he wanted to diversify <laughs> his portfolio <laughs> right so now well, he's, he's he's one of those guys that uh he just just does things yeah and uh when we met him he didn't really say that much mm. which was a bit strange to us he was just mm. like yeah let's do it and we were kind of well uh, where okay well how the and so he's just someone who just jumps into a lot of uh, projects yeah cool and uh, has a really really strong mind that just you know if he sees a good project and he just goes for it yeah I mean it's fun. a it's a really interesting like because the location you got that view out the out the front there like what's the name of the mountain out the front here I'm putting you on the spot here for your geography but Himmeltin Himmeltin mm. okay yeah. so it's like what Sky Mountain Sky Mountain it's yeah. the tallest mountain in our municipality so yeah. oh yeah or on the island actually yeah, yeah on the island yeah, yeah. Are you going to claim it for the whole island? Is it? Is it you the, can claim is it the it hi- from No, no, you're going to claim that it's the highest one? Like, is it the highest yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. And you can climb that? Yeah. Yeah, both of them. Shit. Yeah. It's I actually got really hurt there this summer. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I just, um, I was uh, just walking around uh, uh-huh. after a sketchy part. Uh-huh. I had been really afraid, and then I slowed down my mind because I thought I was on the safe, th- safe zone mm-hmm. and just slipped on a rock just like the stupidest mistake yeah and what dangerously nearly falling off or uh, just like really deep cut like uh-huh. if it would have been a bit deeper I probably couldn't have uh, walked down but just I kind of made it down mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but you can't really do it in winter though right yeah you can ski it you can ski that yeah whoa yeah it's really cool ski, but it's also a really high avalanche danger there because it's so steep all the way up. Yeah. If something goes wrong, it goes really, really well. Yeah. But, uh, you really want to know what you're doing mm. on the way up, yeah. Okay. Wow. It got exciting and then it got really scary. Yeah. <laughs> like in one yeah. little bit of the conversation, I was That's like, wow, this is so well. cool. Oh, yeah. my God. I'm not interested. <laughs> There's a lot of safe zones to be in the mountain as well here, but it's yeah. like that one you don't want to really... Nah. Well, I'll just keep on appreciating the view. Yeah. That'll do, that. do me. That'll do me. Um, speaking of this place, though, I want to come back to, like, Lufthansa in general because that, that it is, a, like, to me, it's one of the most beautiful places on the planet. I definitely think it is actually the most beautiful place I've ever seen. But it's a place that has its kind of downsides, right? Like, there's there's... There's the fish farms, which are kind of, they're around and we were having a bit of a discussion before about like some stories. Um, well, what that what was that story? Like you, you were saying like for the first time you heard actually a firsthand account about the effect of a fish farm yeah. in a fjord. Like, do you want to retell that? Because it's kind of crazy actually. To yeah. Hear. No, just a few months back, I heard about the effects of uh, fish farming in fjords. Mm. So how they, they, when they put out, the fish farm in the fjord it scares away all the natural habitat, mm-hmm. habitat. Um, 
and I was just like, oh yeah, well that's you know that's very sad to hear, and you know <laughs> yeah, but it, it was a really very sad to hear. Just why you say it sounds like yeah, yeah but, care, but it's sad. But the thing is, when you hear it on the news, you're yeah, kind of sure. uh, you know, you just there's so many crazy things every day on the news. Mm-hmm. So, but then uh, there's this car, uh, this, this car guy who helps me with my car, and I uh, he was gonna change my brakes, mm-hmm. and we we're talking and stuff. And then he uh, talk starts to talk about these fish farms in the fjord. And he actually says that, uh, I think it's two years back when they put out those fish farms. And it was like, it just went from a lot of fish in the fjord to, uh, there's no more fish yeah, right. in the fjord. It's from like, uh, just the fish farms. Yeah. And then I was just, that that, 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 that actually happens. Mm. That's, that's a fact. Mm. You just said it and you just come so close and it's, yeah. So that, that is a fact. And, uh, but and and there's that and there are quite a few of them up around here right they're, like they're they're dotted around in different parts of the fjords yeah you can that's all the west coast of norway is like that yeah yeah, yeah. pretty much pretty much the whole coast is mm. scattered with fish farms mm. it's kind of crazy to think about that impact across those different places if this is a if this is a realistic um kind of outcome which it sounds like it is i mean you put it there fish go away that's kind of like yeah pretty straightforward yeah Mm. And, uh, you know, you got to imagine uh, they want to have a lot of fish there and uh, all mm. that fish needs to, you know, poop a little bit and <laughs> maybe some of them uh, goes away a little bit. And yeah. Yeah, it has a huge impact. And the fjords is the perfect place to have it because mm. there's no waves, no winds. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah. The other thing is the, the whole oil thing up here as well. And and that's like a pretty, it's a pretty big deal in Australia at the moment um, with some proposed drilling to happen in, uh, in the Great Australian Bight by... A company known as Equinor, which used to be known as um, Statoil, and you, Rolf, were telling me that you you attended some of the resistance kind of meetings against the there was there was a proposal to explore up here around Lufthansa, right? And what was happening there? And do you want to give a bit of a play by play for the listener about? what the problem was and then kind of what you learnt by kind of going to some of these meetings? Well, there's been a really, like, grassroots uh, movement there to kind mm. of stop it. Um, mm. People have been working hard mm. for it not to be a thing. Mm. And I think the reason that is is because that uh, we have a lot of fishing here. Mm. So, so the cod travels there every year to mm. breed and it's very important to kind of keep that fishing alive. Mm. And they didn't really want to... The fishing industry didn't want to have oil. Uh, the tourism industry didn't want to have oil. Mm. So all of them kind of got together and fighted it. Mm. That's pretty much what happened. But it's not not over yet, you know. Yeah. It can always change. It's just a matter of who runs the government. Mm. Right? What do you, do you know what the status is of that particular thing at the moment? Because I remember when I was back here in uh, 2017, there were some people really active about it and they were, like, fighting it. But has it since been stopped? Like presently, the exploration has been put on hold or denied. Right. Yeah, uh, it's on hold at the moment. Okay. So no seismic. Uh, what do you call it? Yeah, seismic testing. Seismic testing. Mm. Yeah. So. But it's not. It's not. It's, they didn't say stop. You know, it's on pause kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. You never know what's gonna no. happen. You know, suddenly they decide to do it. Yeah. But uh, as I said, there's a lot of people fighting it. Mm. It's an interesting tension because um, obviously this part of the world, like Norway's famous for oil, it's famous for fish, um, and and it's been a good thing for the country to grow and to prosper. Um, 
with these kind of resistance movements and and this kind of identification of maybe fish farms aren't so good and you know oil exploration probably has its consequences um as norwegians is it a difficult thing to to kind of speak out against like how do you find dealing with these kind of challenges so i think uh, most norwegians are actually pretty uh, cautious or Mm. uh, conscious Mm. Uh, about this whole problem mm. um, we do realize that all of our wealth is from oil and fish farming uh, mm. etc but I think as a as a general as, uh, the Norwegian population is very is trying to be eco-friendly like mm. electric cars you know yeah. yeah more Teslas here I think per capita than anywhere else on the more planet more electric cars sold full than, stop yeah, yeah right now I think there's more electric cars sold than regular gasoline or yeah, diesel crazy. cars that's crazy. so that's pretty cool and that's also been part of the government saying that uh, we actually want people to do the right thing for the mm. environment so they do these kinds of rules that make it easier for someone to buy an electric car and other things small things mm. yeah and as well like most of our energy is from water from, mm. yeah so i think overall we're pretty conscious mm. about the environment but what's more worth to us, you know, like wealth or... <laughs> yeah, no. or, yeah, or environment. The wealth is yeah. definitely a big part of, you know, <laughs> yeah. the problem itself. Mm. Yeah. And we do have a lot of wealth and we do have a lot of oil, so mm. I guess that kind of goes hand in hand. But, in, but on a personal level, like, I mean, with the resistance to this exploration, you know, we, we, did you notice, like, you said it was a real coming together of different industries and different people, tourism, fishing... And then probably just everyday people who were kind of in between and thinking, yeah, you know what, this maybe isn't a good idea. Like, what's the vibe around that? Are they, do you feel like they're, you know, are they people who are kind of protesting this for the first time? Is it, or have there been people maybe at these meetings and whatnot who are like always been against oil? I think it's both. Yeah. Yeah. And, I think uh, the realization for many was that uh, these other industries like fishing and tourism is actually going to create more jobs uh-huh. than what the oil in- industry is able or capable of doing, mm. at least locally. Mm. So I think that's why more, most part of the reason why they said that they wouldn't do it. Okay. Yeah. It's all about jobs. It's all about jobs, yeah. yeah. But a little, little bit of image. Yeah. Yeah. So but it would kind of, like you said, Lofoten is one of the most beautiful places on earth. It, would, it really is. It yeah. would be kind of destroying if you could see oil tankers from in the distance. Yeah, it kind of suck. Yeah. It would kind of suck. Well, let's not dwell on those negatives. Congratulations to the people who resisted up here in Lofoten. Great job. Um, the Aussies are doing their best with Equinor at the moment to see what can happen there, and we'll hopefully get a good result down there as well. Um Coming back to kind of you, we're kind of getting towards the the point of uh, wrapping this podcast up. And like you, when when is your first year of operation, or have you already done a year? No, you no, haven't. In June will be our first. Year. June. Yeah. Okay. What you know? What have you? What have you learned that you kind of you know from this experience so far that you kind of that surprised you? What's like a any kind of insight about your experience that was kind of like, oh, I didn't know we'd learn that? Mm-hmm. Or has everything just gone perfectly to plan and there's been no surprises? <laughs> well, that, that's, uh, you know, that, no. 
but uh, one particular thing. That's a tough one. You want to try? <laughs> um, yeah, I can give it a go. Uh, what, what kind of pops up? Uh, I've been surprised about how how important it is to have uh, people there. That people is there all the time. Hmm. Um, been surprised about how you know how a strong kind of uh, uh, community. How strong like the community feeling is and a lot of good people come together uh, I don't know if I learned a lot about it but uh, that's a big surprise yeah how important did, that yeah. is for people that have been coming and staying to, at the lodge mm. and that they have kind of like come and stayed and then kind of also felt like they're part of yeah. the community like they meet lots of people and they feel like they belong, play, belong mm. there you know I mean, like yeah. we were talking earlier about the you know the wetsuit system in the bathroom. Yeah. And that that wetsuit system could be as good as can be. Yeah. But if there's you know there's no people there, then yeah, it doesn't then, uh, then if that wetsuit system just falls down, it's just mm. bad. But there's a uh, you know like with you guys, there's uh, six people there, mm. really cool people, and the vibe is amazing. Then. It doesn't matter for that one yeah. more guy that comes around. And We're it's referring to the enough. to the wetsuit room <laughs> flooding basically because there's too many of us drawing wetsuits at once. But it's um. But you're looking at solutions on that. Like, yeah. but you're saying like it's it has its challenges when there's people there. But there's also like this is the community you're trying to build. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So another thing I was uh, surprised on was that how little I learned actually learned in school. Oh. I studied business. I studied uh, entrepreneurship. Oh. And, I thought I was kind of prepared yeah. to start a business, but I really wasn't. Okay. You still have to learn all these things that you didn't learn in school. Mm. So, yeah, not that the degree was worthless, but uh, it was, wasn't. But You kind of set your path, doesn't yeah. it? And then then you, you start roaming around the internet and you find <laughs> so much info, you know? Yeah. Mm. yeah. You study marketing, but you never really use, you use like the main like guidelines and then yeah. You, all the strategies that you use, you didn't really learn them in school. Yeah, right? sure, sure. I've always found the idea of studying entrepreneurship to be a really interesting thing, mm. unless you're going to write studies about how people did entrepreneurial things in the future as an academic. That makes sense, but to 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 think that it's you know there's a f- few things of course that you might learn, but it seems like you've just got to get out there and do it to really right. learn this stuff. Yeah. And um, starting a business or what we have felt like is like we just had this one vision or this one goal that we had and then it's just a matter of doing a lot of small things, you know, mm. every day. Just doing the small things until it kind of resembles what you had in mind in the first mm. place. And does it resemble what you thought it would look like oh, by for now? For sure, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. really it's actually surprising how close it is to what we thought is going to be like one and a half year ago. Uh-huh. And of course, you do you do all you know a few tweaks here and there, hmm. but uh, yeah, it's very close to okay, and uh, that's amazing how that happens. That's really cool. What can people? I want to give you an opportunity now to um, give yourself a bit of shameless self promotion as we wrap this up. You, you were talking about a special um, thing you're doing with spring. Is there a special thing you're doing with spring with the wetsuits or what's the go? Yeah, if people want a book and they want to check it out, what's the deal? Yeah, check it out. We have a really nice uh, campaign going. Mm-hmm. Uh, it involves uh, people getting a free wetsuit rental uh-huh. whenever they come up and stay here mm-hmm. uh, during this spring. So 
it basically means if you want to come and surf for uh, two or three weeks at the Arctic Coworking Lodge and stay at our place, you don't need to bring a wetsuit. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so our main thing is like, like we said earlier, we focus on people who travel and work at the same time. Mm. So uh, if we're doing this uh, shameless promotion there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, our prices, they decrease the longer you stay. Uh-huh. So we kind of have this model that if you don't, if you feel like it's a big effort to kind of come up here, but you can bring your job, bring your work, then you can come up here and you can stay for one or two months or however long you want to stay. Mm-hmm. That being said though, you, that's not like you don't need to bring your job no like if no, you want to bring a job that's fine if you just want to come and hang out and hmm. meet some nice people that's fine yeah I think like you've got it set up really well to to make it possible to have both types of people there because that's one of the things I was thinking about like when I was looking at it, I was like okay is this like looks like it's really quiet in there but then like you know there is that special space for people who are actually sitting and doing work and it's very clearly defined and it's it is a workspace it's almost it's an office it's yeah. essentially a nice big yeah. office but then you do have the the separate room where people can hang out and chill and work on their laptops but also talk and listen to music and get distracted and all that kind of stuff if they want to so now i feel like you've achieved it as far as um having the possibility to have both types of people there yeah cuz yeah i think um out of the group I'm with now, like I'm kind of the boring guy getting on the laptop late in the evening and doing some work and, and, you know, catching up on things if I've been surfing during the day. (laughs) So it's like, um, I feel like you've definitely created the space that can, uh, accommodate both. Yeah. That's very nice to hear. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we'll wrap up the podcast on that really nice note. Anyone listening, make sure you check out this special spring deal. Kind of sucks to travel, um, with a wetsuit, um, and it's kind of cool to, you know, if it's your first time going into cold water, um, if you're going to just try it surfing for the first time up in uh, Lufthansa, well, yeah, you don't need to make the investment. You can just turn up and jump into a suit courtesy of the boys here. Yeah. So thank you for having me and, um, good luck with the, um, rest of the business. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Well, there you go. I I guess that spring deal may have come and gone, given the timing of the release of this podcast. But uh, I'm sure the boys will look after you if you you send them a nice email and, you know, be cool. Uh, Huge thanks to them. It's a far-reaching interview um, covering so much ground, you know, bits and pieces about living in Lufthansa, about the natural beauty of the place, about some of the ups and downs of the crowds there or not crowds there. Um, we also talk about their journey as entrepreneurs into this kind of crazy idea of a co-working space up in the Arctic Circle. Um, they're good friends of us at the magazine. Uh, they're good friends of surfing in Lufthansa, amongst many other people who are up there doing great stuff. Um, check them out. Good guys. Uh, huge thanks also on this episode to Kona Brewing for their support. We really, really support value their support um, for the podcast and stay tuned for some really cool video content soon ish from them until then.